0: This fear of someone not loving us anymore. You know, I've come to know today when I get into that place, it's a projection of my own self-hate. It's a projection of my rejection of myself. And the idea is, is it's it's like that Groucho Marx things. I don't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. If I'm rejecting myself and I'm not okay with myself, then of course, when somebody's upset with me, I think that finally they see the truth.
1: Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors, Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Emotional Sobriety, as best we can tell, is the really
2: wonderful next step in recovery. And we're here, I'm here with Dr. Alan Berger and Patrick Newman, our producer and We've got a special guest today that we love having all the time. I'll, 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 I'll hand that over to you, Alan, to introduce Joe.
0: Well, listen, it, it's he's just is not going to be a guest. Joe's going to be a regular on the show now. So okay. we don't have to
2: treat him like a guest. No, we, no, we,
3: can, we,
0: can, no.
2: we can be as rude to him we as we are to each now. other. We,
3: can, can can
2: talk, we give him VIP, but now he gets the treatment, the rest of us. All
0: right, yeah. good deal. And look, I'm always excited, I mean, to have you with, I you know, we've... Started our relationship a few years ago with, with some of the workshops we've done, and I've just been so impressed with your perspectives on recovery, who you are as an individual and what you've done to, to carry the message, and and so it's, you know, it's I feel that we're honored to have you part
2: of this show. Absolutely. Amen for me.
3: Ditto the Mutual Admiration Society. Like, I've (laughs) never missed one of your episodes. Uh, I love the whole addition that podcasting has brought to the recovery community. It's a great Mm -hmm. way for people, you know, can't make certain time commitments to just stay in touch with sort of recovery type things. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's great what we're doing here. We're... We're pioneers We're in the first, you know, 10 or 15 years of this thing.
2: It's radio on call, right? That's yeah, that's a good point. It's like, uh-huh. you know, I, I've always, I grew up, always wanted to be a radio guy. It's, it's the main thing I wanted in my life is be, but this is, we, you know, this is the deal, but it's like, you can do it when, it's like what Joe said, we can do it. You, you can listen anytime you want which emotional is great. Sobriety, and I, and I think to, the wkrp of podcasting. <laughs> there you go wkrp i yes. like that and,
0: and listen if bill wilson was alive today mm-hmm. i think so if good. he appeared on the show he would thank us and said thanks guys for trying to help spread this word about emotional sobriety it's something for some reason that people do not get introduced to and do not understand that that's the goal of working our program is to discover and then achieve and and this is the term i picked up from you tom and to mm-hmm. practice emotional sobriety because it's a practice it's a, man. It's a, yeah it really yeah, is it's not
2: it's not a destination I mean, we always do that deal as a journey not a destination but it's a daily practice is what it is yeah
0: so, you know, today I thought that what we would do is just kick around with all four of us. Uh, hi, Patrick. Welcome.
1: Hey there. And can I uh, can I start the uh, roundhouse definition of emotional yes. sobriety? We want to yeah. talk
0: about what is emotional sobriety mean to each of us. So let's do it.
1: Yeah, I'll keep it brief. Um, lately, especially, I feel like um, I've had no emotional sobriety. I feel like I uh, and that's where I, maybe when you tell me it's a practice, I have a little bit of hope because, um, I just feel, uh, you know, I've, my partners moved in and I've just been doing terrible at managing the stress of, uh, accommodating a new living situation. And, um, I, yeah, I just like, don't feel on top of my shit and, uh, very kind of emotionally fragile. And, um, I, uh, I do the meetings and I, I, um, suit up and show up and I try to listen um and you know from people like you uh in recovery spaces and whatnot and um I uh I guess you know if to the extent that um there's been anything guiding me through this rough time it's knowing that um that it is a practice and that um you know, you you it has to be an outside in kind of approach to managing these problems. If you change your behavior, you know, then the mentality surrounding the problems will change, and um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. You know, it's it's more of like I know, uh, I, I I read the words and I know what I think I have a sense of what it means, but in practice, uh, I have been very dysfunctional. <laughs> surrounding so
0: where does it show up where you struggle the most patrick where what would you say is the most challenging piece you know, of now sharing your life with a, with your partner
1: i think just emotional dependence i think you know um making a mistake you know just just doing a thing wrong and then seeking you know i i needing her to uh tell me in fact that I'm amazing and heroic and uh that you know uh <laughs> and I think I think well you know I mean I guess that's like one of the tenets of you know emotional sobriety that I recognized is you know you're um it, it's it's a okay even if not an okay okay only if uh you know mentality to life mm-hmm. and um I think that uh I'm still stuck in, in a bit of like the you know I need uh I need to get a cookie to um, feel secure in, you know, whatever, you know, the the, the the pursuit is that I'm engaged in. And so I think that's, that's the thing I'm working on. Well, well you, well, you have,
0: go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alan. I was just going to say, there's nothing like a relationship to help us get in touch with
2: you know, what is our next step in our development? Right. That's why right, I say right, that. Right. right. Help. And help and help us is in quotations, you know, help us because it doesn't feel like you're it doesn't necessarily feel like it's so helpful. But, it's, not, you know. <laughs> but with hindsight, you're going to it is. And, you know, I just want I just want to say that, you know, and, and I'm I'm never i you know, one of the things I say to clients all the time, and, and I think we do a good job of this with each other is, is we want to support each other but but part of part of well i'll just say part of emotional sobriety and relationships for me is is you know supporting each other but not letting not letting people we love off the hook either so it's like so I, so i want to say the disclaimer here is is is, is patrick i mean i think sometimes I, I actually think sometimes in our culture that as, as i've grown up and worked in this world and uh, uh, is you know our culture gives men a break if we if we actually acknowledge a feeling everybody goes Oh, isn't that great? He had a feeling. And, and then they kind of let us off the hook. I've had lots of women and, and you know, well, but he's, he's, he said he had a feeling and it's like, I go, yeah, but what's he doing with it? How, you know, what kind of account of, you know, what responsibilities you take, but you, I know you, and I know that, I know you're work, you really are working on this stuff. That That is the, the practice and the practice involves. You know, we talk about this a lot recently with this stuff on Thursday night. With, uh, with the the Nathaniel Brandon stuff is is acceptance as 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 the the key, the, as the first step always to change, to to basically be able to say here. Not only did I'm fucking up, but it's like here's how specifically I'm fucking up. Alan asked you a question, and you were able to go pretty quickly to, to respond to that. It's like, nope, that's the practice of emotional sobriety.
3: Uh, grateful my dad's still alive and he is like when I watch him doing something, something that needs fixing, problem solving, he he just, if something doesn't work, he backs up, rethinks it, tries something else. If something doesn't work for me, my negative self-talk jumps into you idiot! You loser! You know, like like I was supposed to get it perfect the first time, and and yeah. life isn't something that yeah. we're supposed to get perfect the first time. And and what I learned from him is that ability to just right size himself in the situation, and he's going to do his best, and it's going to take as long as it takes, and he isn't—he's fighting against. Uh, the environment but he's not fighting against himself
2: <laughs> i love that well and, and, and you and what I, I i identify with the part where you're the my, my all my shoulds you know after a while they just they just become this giant i told you so you know so so I, so now what i do if i mess something up it just even if it's just a part of the learning process yeah it's like I, there you go again you know yeah. Well, more of it more it's just sort of you know it's you know it's one of the reasons i tell people not to not to trust that should monster i say you know you don't trust you don't trust a human human being who has the same answer for every question you know it's like and 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 whenever the, we look at these negative voices inside our heads is the same this the same response uh, when's the last time you know you had that same voice say you know what usually you're a complete fuck up but today i'm kind of proud of you you know it's like no, they never say that they they're always going to find what's wrong and pounce on it. And so that's, I love, I, pre- I love what you described with your dad. I, so your dad's ripple effect goes on. I'm learning from it today, just back up and and yeah. and re- regroup. But I also want Patrick, I want you to hear what, what, what he's saying too, about that is like, just be aware of those, that, that mean voice inside telling you you're messing it up, you know, because that's just going to, you you may be messing it up, but it's going to get in the way, it's going to get in the way of you doing what's the next
1: right thing. Well, I just want to add one, one little thing, which is Alan told me within the last week uh, that he rarely does what he doesn't want to do, which Mm -hmm. seemed to me as like, and, and, you know, I think like really looking at that statement is, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't mean that he's, uh, you know, entirely selfish. I don't think that's what he meant by that. I think it means that like, emotional sobriety to an extent is about listening, sifting, you know, your experience and really like figuring out what, what are the things that are truly important to you independent of the shoulds and then, you know, organizing your uh, experience around that. So that, you know, like you're not building up resentments when you do a thing, you know, you do a thing that you don't want to do. And then in in the, in the doing of the thing you don't want to do, you're, you're resenting it. And, uh, and I think, you know, just, I'm in a very, in the very nascent stages of listening to myself and and being able to understand truly like what what do I want out of this you know situation and being present and I just I think that I'm just not very good at being present in my own life uh yet. So that that's what I, I wanted to add.
0: You know, listen, that's such a good point because you know when it you know what emotional sobriety means to me today and it has it's got so many different textures to it it's almost like a piece of tiramisu there's so many different layers and textures Mm. flavors Mm. and but today what i would say is i finally passed the audition to have a speaking part in my own life (laughs) and and before it's like i've never i never passed that audition i wouldn't speak up for myself i wouldn't you know you guys know this week I've been quite melancholy I've lost someone that was very close to me and especially in the early stages of my recovery but really throughout my whole recovery Tom Catton a, a long-standing member with over 50 years in in NA and the author of the Mindful Addict and and come sit with me a, a little pr- primer on, uh, on meditation just right. an amazing guy and he passed away he he, he had uh, dementia, and the last several years of his life were very, very, very challenging. And, but he passed away in such a beautiful way. You guys remember, I read that on mm-hmm. Thursday night. And, you know, I, I've been crying a lot, and that's been okay. I've just felt melancholy, and that's been yeah. okay. I'm not doing this thing like I should feel something else. I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't cry. I shouldn't show what I'm feeling. I'm feeling what I'm feeling and I'm just owning it and and being present to it. And that to me today is a big part of what emotional sobriety means to me is to to finally be fully who I am instead of doing all this censoring. And as you said, Joe, this negative self-talk that, you know, I can criticize myself to death, you know, in terms of these things. So that's what it means to me today, Patrick
2: mm-hmm yeah Tom's turn well well I would I actually because we'll take the uh uh and I'll tell something I may have told on on the podcast before but but because, because it there's so many different ways of defining it. It's a little, it's a little bit like code. I remember when codependency became the, the, the thing back in the, back in the 1980s or seventies, whenever that was, it's like, you know, you could define it in so many different ways that I finally you know realized we were using it in such negative ways. Sometimes that I thought, you know, I'm pretty sure codependency is, is like a synonym for the human condition, you know, at, at least, at least for those of us who were, you know, a little, a little, uh, um, quirky, but, um, but, but with emotional sobriety, there's lots of different angles on it. And I I, I think we could, I think we could probably, you know, I think about this sometimes, Alan, as I'm writing on our, on our, our one day at a time book kind of thing. I think we could do a book. that was just definitions of emotional sobriety one day at a time. I think we could, we could come up with 365 probably, but here's one, here's one that is a, a hindsight deal that has to do with relationship. It's it's that one of the things that I always say is this was the day that I knew, you know, Alan, Alan spoke about the sp- getting uh, passing the audition. Um, um, and I, I can't help but hear John Lennon's voice in, in, in that and hope we pass the audition. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but I did, I, and again with hindsight, I did not, I did not have any giant light bulb on my head ahead at the time. I'm sure I was just, I was hurting, but, I, I finally figured, I finally knew, not figured. I knew I was an adult when I was in a place, Didi and I were in lots of, had been in lots of therapy individually and together. And there was a time in particular, there were many times that we've had these conversations, but one in particular in which I, I, I was, my, my job was to listen to her and to neither defend nor crumble. You know, and that, and I, you know, I, and I was good at both, by the way, I, I was good at just becoming like, you know, just so pitiful that, that basically, you know, it was, it was the the classic, what, you know, I couldn't figure out when she would say, why do you make this about you? And I go, I'm not making it about me. It hurts me so badly that I've hurt you, you know? And it's like, it's like, you know, th- nowadays I just roll my eyes at the idea of that, that I was just, t- t- you know, t- make saying you saying you, you, or you said, I would need, I need a cookie from her. You know, it's like, I need you to rescue me, you know, from, from, I need you to tell me it's okay for me to be doing, what to, to be as messed up as I am. And, but the other, the other thing was I, did, I didn't crumble, but I didn't defend either. And I, and I, and I can honestly tell you, I don't remember the specifics of leaving the conversation, but I know the general topic, but it's like, like it's, I don't think i doubt seriously that i actually agreed literally with everything she was saying i think there were probably some places where i had a but but you know, in there that were probably legitimate, but what I, and I tell my clients that are going through this today, I I'll say like, you know, you're just going to have to stick with the broad strokes on these things sometimes and let those go because any, any, any little, any little effort at defense at times is go, is going to just bring back the whole, the whole defensive structure. Um, but I stood there and, and, and listened to that understood. She was telling me about her pain and specifically pain I had I had at least contributed to, if not caused, and then some of it was just directly caused and I could, I I feel my body changing. Even as I tell, tell, tell that I had to get a good, good breath. It's like, and it was horrible. It felt, it felt terrible. It's like, but, but, uh, but it's like, like I say, with hindsight, I look back at that and go like. Like, and I think about that with what you said, Alan, about speaking part in your own life and this part, it's kind of interesting because it's a non-speaking part for me in that place, when to keep my mouth shut, when to listen and when to be, and, and, and to not turn on myself, uh, and, you know, and not, and realize I, I could be okay when Dee, Dee was that upset with me. Yeah. Yeah, It was huge. And it was, it was a bad feeling. And if I, if I were going to, if we were saying it was a horrible feeling, but if we were talking about, let's look at, let's, let's glance through our lives and find some examples of emotional sobriety. That would be an early, early, uh, you know, little snapshot to me of, of uh, evidence of emotional sobriety.
1: Tom, I just wanted to ask it. do you ever do that thing where if uh, she's mad at you in the moment mm-hmm. and you're having mm-hmm. an argument you forget for the moment that she really loves you, and uh, that this is all going to be okay in the long view Ye- of history.
2: Yes, 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 yes. I have yes, that yes, problem.
1: Yes. I'm like, oh well, she must have decided she doesn't love me anymore because she's mad at me one time. Yeah.
2: Right. Oh God. It's yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, you. We we actually came up with a um, we we came up with a great contract that we have have had for for decades now, which is uh, we call it the "no news is good news" contract, and that is that is that. If one of us is thinking about that, there's that there's some kind of relationship um, threatening damage kind of, you know, make or break it kind of thing going on, or that we have to consider that no matter how much we don't want to have to have that conversation, we will tell the other person. Uh, And if we have not told them, then that means it doesn't, that is not the case. So the idea is, if you say, "Is your is your relationship in danger at this point, Tom?" You know, from Didi's perspective, I can say assuredly, no. And you say, "How do you know that?" Because she hasn't told me so. I love it. And and I've learned, and 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 through the years, we both have told each other so when there are times where we said time we got to get back to some therapy and some stuff like that but it's like it really comes down to you have to god you you have to learn to trust each other you have you have to trust the 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 person you're in the relationship with not your little interpreter in your head that tells you what maddie really is saying because your little interpreter is there to defend you maddie's going to tell you the truth
1: right on
3: yeah okay. Everything that's been said today, I'm hearing in terms of how we are in the world. Alan was talking about standing up for ourselves, and that involves how we interact with others. And Tom's talking about being able to hear others, and and Patrick's talking about living with others and making space for them and feeling adequate and equal and, you know, not, you know, Top dog or bottom dog. Gearing up, of course, uh, you've been talking about it on your show for the International Conference of Secular AA, and it's a two day Zoom thing. And I can see behind uh, Alan in his book collection, he has Writing the Big Book, The Creation of AA by William Schaeberg. And he's going to be doing a presentation on uh, Dr. Silkworth and what Dr. Silkworth viewed as the solution for alcoholism and he talked about moral psychology and he wrote about moral psychology and he was a guest speaker on it and what that meant is to stop being introverted and what that meant at the time was Mm self-absorbed and helping others caring about others being engaged with others so and and uh that is the fellowship of, of, you know, recovery, right? You know, how, you know, when we get past our own, you know, immediate emotional needs and start thinking about that person is looking a little upset today. I, I'm gonna have a, i am I'm gonna tap them on the shoulder or speak to them after the meeting or what have you, and 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 that is being in the world, and uh, that is emotional sobriety. I think it's a synonym, emotional, uh, for spiritual, because I've never been quite clear on what people mean by spiritual. Whenever they describe it, other than some sort of religious experience, they seem to be talking about an emotional experience, awe, dread, existential angst, horror, uh, wonder. Uh, Those are emotions, and, uh, you know, To be able, and and that was my problem. That's why I sought out alcohol and drugs, because they solved an emotional problem I had with living in the world. And Mm. it was a maladaptive coping mechanism. But recovery offers this emotional sobriety to be able to self-regulate myself where I couldn't before I needed assistance.
2: Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Joe.
3: Yeah, I think that's what uh, Bill was talking about, about achieving that sort of maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that exactly. ability to self-regulate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And look, you know, it, it, it's there's so many um, dimensions about this. But when you talk about Silkworth, he, he a lot of people describe him as the little doc who loved drunks. Yeah. The little <laughs> doc. He was a real short guy. Wasn't he like five foot tall or something like that? and they called him the little doc who loved drunks and he mm-hmm. he had he had so much insight he was so ahead of his time in terms of understanding addiction and you know he he was really it was very interesting because bill was really struggling early on when he was trying to carry this message to other people and and he said look you know what you're trying to do is 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 convince them of something i love that mm-hmm. discussion he had with them says, instead of convincing him, why don't you just share your story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just lay it out there for him and let's see what they, how they respond to it. So he really started to tell Bill, let go of the control and let this be a program of attraction, not promotion. So powerful, man. You know, the other thing that comes to mind is is you guys are talking about this. There's a a lot of things come to mind, but this fear of someone not loving us anymore. You know, I've come to know today when I get into that place, it's a projection of my own self-hate. It's a projection of my rejection of myself. And the idea is, is it's it's like that Groucho Marx things. I don't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. <laughs> if I'm rejecting myself and I'm not okay with myself, then of course, when somebody's upset with me, I think that finally they see the truth. They really see me as I am. It, and it isn't as I am, is as I fear I am, as my... You know, all these shoulds and ideas I have about who I'm supposed to be to be lovable tell me I'm not right that kind of stuff. And it's so it gets so crazy, man, because, you know, what Fritz says, we're living in houses thinking we're looking out out all the time. But the truth is, Mm -hmm, our mm -hmm. houses are lined with mirrors.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And all we're seeing is our projections everywhere everywhere and this is to me one of the things and you said it in 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 so many words too joe is one of the i think the most important things that is part of my practice and i don't do this perfectly but the idea that it's not all about me right is that when people are behaving the way they're behaving and mad or whatever, it's about them. That's how they're dealing with their feelings. Mm-hmm. It's not about me, but my this this part of me that's that's been so programmed to think it's all about me takes mm-hmm. it all on personally.
2: It
3: takes me personally. Yeah.
2: Well, that's, that's, that's why I call it negative arrogance, because it's, it's, yeah. it's extremely, you know, it is, it, I was so surprised to, 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 earlier, earlier on in my career to, to realize in terms of myself, as well as other people I was working with, it, for people with low self-esteem, we are so fucking arrogant, you yeah. know, we, we just, we, we, you know, but it's not the good, it's not the fun kind of arrogance. It's not mm-hmm. like I'm the best thing in the world. I'm very special, not in a good way. You know, I'm worse than everybody else. And, And if something has gone wrong within a hundred mile radius, I either probably caused it. And if not, I'm responsible for fixing it, you know, yeah. and it's like, how ridiculous, you know, that is. And, and I just, I just need to say this. There's a wonderful book of, of Droucho Marx letters that he actually wrote to, to people at different times. And one of them is to a country club where they would not have him as they would not have his family as a member because he was Jewish. And he wrote and said, my daughter is only half Jewish. Could she come into the pool up to her waist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> oh, Groucho. God
0: bless. Uh,
3: man. It, you know, there's a core belief that I have wrestled with all of my sobriety and, and um, something you said, Patrick, made me think about it. And that core belief is, and it's there's no truth. There's no basis of truth in it. But the, the belief is that when you get to know me, You will reject me. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, moving from what we might call hit and run love, where you can go on a date and leave when they're still laughing and it's great, and all of a sudden you're moved in together and they get really familiar with everything about you. Mm -hmm. For me, I would have that I'm overexposed. They are going to get to know me. And when they get to know me, they will. Yeah. It's the
2: imposter syndrome. It's uh, you're going, ah, somebody's going to go, aha. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there you are. It's, you know, Joe, you also said something reminding me of something I used to ask people, and I'm trying to get the words right. I'm jotting it down here. What I would ask, what are some, what are some things that you believe that you know are not true? (laughs) You know, because we all have those. Yeah. It's like because I mean, the question itself is is a bit of a Milton Erickson uh, hypnotic induction because it kind of, you know, throws you throws you into a bit of a trance. But then you come through it and go like, no, there are, th- what you just said. Be- you prefaced what you said with saying, I'm getting ready to tell you uh, with a belief that I've struggled with a lot historically through time, you know, yeah. but you, you, there was a but there was a by the way, it's not true. It was, yeah. <laughs> you You said that with great authority. You know, it's not true. It's like, however, you struggle with it It's it's like, and that's, and that's so much a part of our Western human experience. I think it's, that's one of those things where talk about attraction, not promotion. We all have beliefs that we, that we just stick with about ourselves that we, if you really were put to the test and said, okay, tell me the absolute truth. Do you think that's it? Nope. I don't think that's true at all. I'm haunted by it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Haunted. Exactly. And. Mm -hmm. Part of the haunting is even when I'm getting the cookie, they're giving it to some actor that some role I'm Mm -hmm. playing, right? You know, like, that doesn't make me feel more deserving, because I'm putting them on. And they're responding positively to it. So it further reinforces yeah. that I'm not good enough and I have to continually continue. Well, you that. know,
2: it's, it's so, interesting. Cause I, when I first got into, to, to uh, therapy group, especially group therapy, and I was listening to other people, other people in the groups that, that I was a participant in, you know, I I, I, I would, I would listen to these other people and think, because I was under the, I was under the very, clear belief that I came from a perfectly normal family, you know? And of course, you know, the, the truth there is the longer I stayed in therapy, the sicker my family got, but it's, it's the, the, cause that awareness comes up. But, but it's, it's like, I remember actually telling somebody in a group one time that I was envious of them because they're because of their blatant abuse as in childhood. You know, it was like, you know, I was going like, you know, why you're this way, you understand why you feel like shit about yourself. It's like, I can't figure it out. Cause I was the pedestal kid. I was the guy that could do no wrong. My, my siblings didn't like me sometimes because they, I could do the same thing they're doing, they get in trouble for it. And then my mom, and dad would just laugh and say, Oh, Tommy's funny. isn't he, you know, and it's like, but what you're talking about, uh, Joe is one of the things I've learned I learned about that. And I've explained to other people It's like, when that's such a lie that, you know, the, the, the you know, the, when you get on, put up on the pedestal. So here's the thing I grew up with. I, I grew up without knowing that I would be okay. If I, if I wasn't pedestalized, mm-hmm. So talk about like what well, you're talking about, Patrick, in terms of needing somebody to praise you. It's, it's like, yeah, I didn't I didn't know. I mean, I didn't have those words for it at the time, but I didn't I didn't understand that I was be OK if I was fucking up. You know, I thought I had to, you know, and, and I always knew I fucked up, but, but it's like I always thought I had to create the impression for everybody that I had it all together. Well, see, that, that's
0: that's what, one of the things that I talk to people about and that I've seen in my old life. That's the dilemma that we create when we dedicate ourselves to actualizing a concept of who we should be. Yes. Because if, if I do that mm-hmm. and you fall in love with that, I realize that you're not falling in love with me. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of me that is suspicious of you, if you like me, it mm-hmm. means you really don't like me, because you really haven't seen me. <laughs> I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's such a crazy game we play. And then we get so concerned if people don't buy that image, or you know, what, do, what do they call it in transactional analysis, they call it the racket. What's mm-hmm. your racket, right? Yep. What, is yep. Your yep. Racket? what do you put out to the world That's your racket to try to get people to love you? Right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's your racket. And then when people buy our racket, you know, we think that's good, but it's really not because it, like you said, Joe, underneath it is this is this deep doubt that is 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 appropriate to the situation. They're not
2: loving me; they're loving this 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 act I just put on. Right, we feel like frauds. Yeah, yeah. And and now the other piece that comes up in relationship a lot of times is 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 the partner. However very often you know even though we're again our negative arrogance is such that we think that that the, all they see is is the is is the thing we put forward a lot of times you get to people and and you find out your your partner knows a lot more about you than you think and sometimes sometimes the partner knows even more about that person than they know about themselves that's right well that's true and if if you have someone that has
0: done some of this work, that's what they're going to see. See, they're going to see you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to see, you know, this 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 act that you put on to say, hey, love this, please love this. This is because you won't love me, so love this, right?
2: That kind of a thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's And that's a scary thing when you, when you realize that you're in a relationship with someone who really does see you for who you are. Um, because you, you have to confront that, that your fear of being a fraud. Yeah.
1: Do you guys find that, uh, in your, um, in your work on this, that, um, are you still being tested daily, you know, with the same kind of like fervor <laughs> that you had those tests as younger men? I no. do.
3: I, 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 I feel not like, daily.
1: I don't think, go ahead. I'm sorry, Joe. Maybe, ahead.
3: maybe not daily. That's right. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's i make room for it and i make room for my imperfections and my idiosyncrasies and my getting stuck in the same mud all the time (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and and just try to give myself some space to get myself out or ask for help in some cases that's what i have to do
2: well, that's and, and you know, Patrick. That's one of the questions you ask, Alan. You ask Alan and I historically. You know, you 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 want you ask questions that that are really specifically, and I think it's a good thing. They're designed to ask for hope. You know, yeah. are, do you you guys. I mean, you. I think there have been several times through this process. Uh, you know, of our of our pod, doing the podcast where where. I mean, I don't know if you felt it this way, but I think you've you probably found yourself somewhat encouraged to realize how fucked up we are uh and and realize you know hurt you know just hurt some of the stuff and go like because they you know because it's easy to 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 go okay well like this these people have they're older than I am and they have this all together it's it's like it's like it's and it is really really reassuring to find out that no, we don't but the other thing about and that's one of the things that we can, we can continue on talking about down the line too. Cause it's one of the things I was saying about, we could talk about today, which was how, how do you measure progress with this stuff? It's like, and you measure progress mm-hmm. by, by in a lot of ways, but one is, you measure progress by direction. You know, it's not, you know, if I, am if I'm going, if I'm going to see Alan, and he's he's up near philadelphia and i'm in nashville if you know if I, did i travel five five miles or 80 miles today to see him it's like that's not the question the question is did i move northeast yeah <laughs> and then i did i you know it, it, because because there are a lot of times where i'm going the wrong direction it's like like am i moving in that direction and if i am credit where credit is due. And what I would go back and say, we're, where Joe. it's interesting when Joe and I spoke at the same time saying yes and no to your question is what, what I would challenge Joe with at that point is going like, yeah, yeah, but do a, but do a, do a time travel comparison and realize how much easier it is to do the shit we do to get through some of this stuff today. It's like, it is, it doesn't mean we're not guaranteed. It doesn't mean the shit can't hit the fan full blown. I don't ever want to be without appropriate caution, but it's like, we really do with practice. You do, you do. And you said it in terms of like, I make room for that, you know, you've, and, and I love making room because you're talking about I've expanded my identity and my awareness and my definition of myself to include that stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: You know? I, yeah, I fuck I fuck yeah. Oh, no, oh, do, do you fuck this up? Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> On a regular basis. Yeah. yeah but it's couple, not it's not things. suffering.
0: Yeah, that's right. A couple of things yeah. before we wrap today and and Joe, I, before we stop, I want you to say something about about the convention that's coming up and tell mm-hmm. people about it because I'm I am we are really excited about being a part of it. Yes, but I I heard a great quote the other day from robert Bly, one of my uh, favorite Mm -hmm. poets Mm -hmm. and he says grow your wings while you're going down (laughs) isn't that nice grow your wings while you're going down we always want to think about going up you know we're so obsessed Mm -hmm. with ascending Mm -hmm. and succeeding and being on top of it and see, I think emotional sobriety is embracing both sides. Yeah. Right. Both sides mm-hmm. is to to enjoy our success, yeah. uh, but also to enjoy the struggle. Yeah. And yeah. to really not want it to be any different, Patrick. See, that's, that's I think the thing that's different for me today is while I, you know, I used to just really strive, I wanted to just to feel good all the time. I'm not mm-hmm. interested anymore. Today, I'm more mm-hmm. interested in being alive. I want to be alive. Sometimes I'm going to feel great. Sometimes I'm going to feel shitty. You know, sometimes I'm going to really like who I am. Sometimes I can't stand myself. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. there, there's a certain rhythm to my life. Now, all of that, we could summarize as self-acceptance. Yeah. Is we know what we've been talking about. And I think these Thursday night thing with us really putting the spotlight on self-esteem, and emotional sobriety in the steps, one of the things he keeps bringing home is self-acceptance is a prerequisite
2: to change. Mm-hmm.
0: The prerequisite. And so, yeah.
2: And self-acceptance does not mean I like it. It means I accept it.
0: I accept this is where I am. This mm-hmm. is what's going on for me right now. Mm-hmm. And with that, when I accept it, I can then become aware of of the emerging opportunity. Mm -hmm. And there will always be an emergency opportunity. But what Joe was saying earlier, if I'm sitting there beating myself up, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm not going to see any opportunity. Mm -hmm. I'm too busy, you know, dealing with my bruised self-esteem or ego. Right. Right. And now I'm all wrapped up in that. And, you know, I'm, I wanting to throw a pity party and trying to decide who I can invite. I mean, right. that's where
2: that. Goes. Well, so instead, it becomes it becomes. Now we're, we're going are we're telling Joe's story for him, just for the fun of it. <laughs> is is, is instead, instead we have we have Joe saying, "There, there, I am beating myself up again." It's like yeah. that's yeah. acceptance. That's yeah. it's yeah. like okay. Yeah. Then that but there's so there, there's a I always say it's a it's a it's a layer thing. It's like. I tell myself I'm a piece of shit. That guy, that guy speaks freely. He, you know, he, he, he does. He never, he never asks if I want his opinion. He'll just say whatever. But the next level out is that observer self, you know, that more the the one that, that apparently, you know, I used to do workshops on the road a lot, a lot of the, the old days. And, and I lost count of how many times people would come up to me after the workshop and say, are you a Buddhist? And, and I go, you know, no, I, but eventually now, if people ask me that, I just, my answer is apparently, okay. you know, it's, a, it's that's, that's right. Hey, you guys, and the more I've up. read about Buddhism, it, it, it really is that it's accepted. Right.
0: I got to sign out because I got to let the babysitter go. Joe, oh, yeah. thanks for joining the show. But you guys will finish up with Joe and then I'll see uh, I'll see everybody next week. And thanks okay. for joining us, Joe. Really appreciate you taking the time to be doing this with us.
3: It's it's a pleasure. I'll jump in when I can. It'll be fantastic.
0: You you you, you sweeten the pot many times today.
2: Absolutely. All right. All right take have, care, fun, have fun, have fun, Alan. With it. Alan, has got the two two girls uh, on his own today. They go, what do you he say? He's going to do, Patrick. Go to the go to. Well, I
1: think he's taking them to a birthday party. Which birthday uh, party. I've been to one of I. You know, uh, Alan threw a party for uh, his uh, youngest daughter um when Mm -hmm. he was still living in la and Mm -hmm. uh yeah that was a lot of fun it uh (laughs) there was a puppet show like a very elaborate puppet show which i shot and uh yeah um i don't know it could either i could see those either being a lot of fun to attend as a parent or a total nightmare so Mm -hmm. flip a coin let's see let's hope for the best for him today all right well
2: all i I got from that was i think we need to do a puppet show now
1: (laughs) you any good at that joe uh, on the radio, I'm
3: a great puppeteer. But, I'm a great puppeteer yeah, too. Look at this, everybody! <laughs> That's
1: <laughs> where now, I do all my card tricks. Joe. Let's four four <laughs>
3: throw another one in, Patrick. Oh yeah, Bye. Joe.
1: I, Joe, I was gonna ask you. Um, I uh, just I, after your our, your last uh, appearance on the pod, um, yeah. are you? Cause see, I'm afraid as more of a secular uh, recovery guy, mm-hmm. I kind of like. And, you know, a sec- you know, secular in my, uh, you know, uh, ideas and, like, practice of um, the steps and whatnot. But, like, I have a lot of friends who are much more spiritual than I am or, you know, more kind of, like, uh, you know, in religious type of quarters. Mm-hmm. And I'm always afraid of pissing them off when, like, I, uh, you know, uh, w- wade into these conversations and I try to kind of express, you know, like, my understanding of things and... Um, would you, is it fair to say that, like, in all the work you've done and and, you know, in the writing of your book and whatnot, that like you've kind of you're pretty fearless when it comes to just like, you know, putting your more kind of like secular ideas out there and not uh worrying about like, I don't know what you're what somebody's gonna say about, you know, or like come at you with like, yeah. no, this is actually intolerant or whatever?
3: The actual writing of Beyond Belief was a cathartic experience in that I started it a little bit edgier, just always feeling discounted in meetings. Oh, Joe, he's an atheist. you will get it eventually. Keep coming back, as opposed to accepting my approach to recovery as being legitimate. So I had this edginess. God could and would if he existed. Huh. <laughs> you know and 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 that would offend people because it's hostile so if your heart is right and somebody does respond badly that's a reflection on them not you uh, our international conference of secular aa describes the format not the people the people who are there believe all kinds of things some of them believe supernatural things that's fine uh, the point is that we're going to have a discussion, a free-thinking discussion, without persuading or dissuading someone else. Like you might say, "I couldn't get sober without my faith in God," but don't say, "You can't get sober without a faith in God." That's yeah. a whole different different animal.
2: See, I, I appreciate you saying that, Joe, because to me, that's the that it's it's about inclusion versus exclusion. Yeah. That's 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 the objection mm-hmm. that I have. it's it's like. And, and one of the, and I have known some, some, um, some people that I call radically fundamentalist atheist. Yeah. And I, and I and, and I, and I just, I scratch my head at those guys. I go like, okay, I, I can have some respect for for the for, i grew up in west texas you know uh, you know in the midst of, of church of christ and baptist and even back in those days there were some of my friends that were that were trying to save my soul And it's like because i was a presbyterian that, that's just you know basically worshiping the cowboy the dallas cowboys but it's it's the the uh I can respect somebody who, who uh, is, is who believes that I'm. If they really do believe I'm going to burn in hell forever, and they're trying to give it, it's like thank you, thank you for your concern. Because it's the, the the guy that the guy that who believes that who's not doesn't give a shit whether I burn in hell forever. I have a problem with that. But I do not understand what the what the atheists are selling. It's like <laughs> it doesn't harm it. It doesn't harm me that somebody else believes something different than I do. Yeah. Um obviously i have feelings about this
3: (laughs) yeah no no, totally and 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 isn't it great that we can have a discussion without someone you know dropping their headphones and storming out of the room
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it's just but it's it's really it's about being inclusive and it's like that's where we feel safe
3: yeah yeah that's right and and i never become offended by somebody else's personal experience yeah no matter how they describe it but if they start talking you know, like even the we language is problematic. Don't include mm-hmm. me in your mm-hmm. we, buddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and especially that you language, I get triggered right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, someone says I'm powerless, I don't have to believe that powerlessness is part of addiction, but mm-hmm. they, you know, they're describing their experience and I'm listening, I'm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. ears, right? So, um Mm-hmm. It is important to speak um, uh, with candor, Patrick, but it's also important to, uh, you know, frame it as not apologetically, but in my own personal experience. Yeah, in, and yeah, and, and anyone who gets offended, to heck with them.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Right
2: well, it's, it's yeah. You're just. I mean, the the. I mean, the thing is, it, it's. It, if you you know this is what i tell i teach couples all the time working with them is like if you can if we can keep our defenses down you know you know once the defense is you know defense begets defense so once one person's defense comes up it's going to bring up the other person's you know unless you're really working hard not to do that it's it's like and, and nothing's going to be accomplished there but if we can leave our defenses down if we can make that part of our practice and and for me that has to be a part of the practice leave hold those down then we can stay in the conversation long enough to clarify, you know, for instance, like you, I, I think the, I, I, think one of the things that, you know, that is a great, ex, I think the word powerless in, in, in the program is a great example of that because people can just go nuts over it all. But if you stop everybody and say, everybody define your terms, what do you yeah. mean by that? Yeah. There's very little disagreement. Yeah. You know, we're not disagreeing. We're, it's we're, we're you know it's the old Buddhist thing of you know, but be careful not to not to mistake the finger pointing at the moon for the moon itself. That's we have to we have to understand that that we even though we speak we both we are all speaking English we mean different things by different words and different concepts, and 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 we really do become more more educated and more informed when we have, like what you're talking about, conversations where we can just have them. I call them conversations to convey rather than to convince.
3: When you said that, uh, it made me think of something. Um, There was a, the chair of the General Service Conference of Alcoholics Anonymous was a non-alcoholic trustee, Reverend Ward Ewing. And he and I had several discussions. And I always said, as as Ward Ewing said, and he said, "Joe, I, I, I picked that up from you, but, and I, I'm sure I'm right, and he's wrong about that." And he came up with the idea that experience uh, transcends explanation, because when we get into the explanation of how sobriety happens, then God removed my character defects, or mm-hmm. I empowered myself. Like, let's not fight over that right mm-hmm. we had the same right. experience right and we're just explaining right. it differently Yes. so w- when i said patrick that i never get offended by someone's experience i get my feathers ruffled when they start explaining it in, as some universal this is how sobriety works because now if that's true i'm not included
2: Right. The objective reality is my perception.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I've done that. I've done that from my side, uh, unconsciously at meetings and mm-hmm. stuff. And then I, w- I won't understand until later why I pissed that person off. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's unconscious bias, right? You know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. But part of,
2: part of emotional sobriety is is what the yeah. process you just said is it's because one of the things that happens with recovery is our response time gets faster. So there were times where you probably would have done that and never had the insight that you did that. And then, then later it's like, it it takes a day. And then, you know, there comes the time when basically you catch yourself right in the middle of a sentence and go like, Oh, never, never mind, Let me, let me go a different direction with that. And it's like, we, you know, and, and, and we, and we should still go back and mess up, but, but, Response time is really a great way of measuring how we're doing, because it doesn't mean we don't still fuck up. It means we take responsibility when we do.
3: And prejudice, uh, which all of us have biases. Absolutely. Sometimes it's ignorance and sometimes it's born of fear or hate. The ignorance is easily overcome with discussion right um, but if it's this core belief of fear or hate you know just be careful who your your bedfellows are right there's it, not right
2: that's that's a really mm-hmm. good point though to joe because because it can be uh, still can be overcome but it's yeah. but it's it, but it's 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 uh, it's far more complex i think
1: yeah. yeah well uh joe uh just to wrap things up um yeah. what else can you tell us about the conference it's going to be uh not this upcoming weekend but the weekend after
3: Yes, it is uh, two days, the 29th and 30th. Uh, while we're speaking, uh, if I wasn't here, I would have been joining the program committee. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's 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 a thing. If you think you're indispensable, take your hand mm-hmm. out of a sink <laughs> of water, right? <laughs> see, see if it left a mark, right? You know, where, where it used to be yeah, the water didn't miss you mm, they but, do
2: fine. yeah
3: but uh, they're they're getting the the final touches on it. It's it's a, a replication of something which was an in-person biannual conference which started in Santa Monica in 2014. And it is members of AA, most of them of an agnostic or atheist persuasion but uh, we get we had Reverend Ward Ewing as one of our speakers at, at uh, our first conference and um yeah so it's just uh you know you won't people won't pray or any of that there but uh, it, you, you won't mistake it for yeah you know, no one will walk out going that's not an AA meeting uh mm-hmm. but w- we handle some, you know, sort of touchy subjects sometimes, like we have non-alcoholic Dr. George Koob, he's a director of NIH, and uh, he's overseen research on alcoholism for many, many years. He, if we would met in Detroit for the International Conference of Alcoholics Anonymous in 2020, he would have been the one who would have been ceremoniously handed the 40th edition of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. So, wow. so he's a, a, a longtime friend of AA. They'll mm-hmm. be talking. We're having a conversation about um, California sober and microdosing and, and what, does, what does sobriety really mean? How do you define mm-hmm. it? Right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like uh, th- my, Joke is about the guy at the NA meeting. Yep, I'm completely free of addiction. Hold my coffee and cigarette. And I'll show you my medallion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> man, see, I live in I live in California, and so uh man, getting yeah. stuck with California sober—that's kind of a not exactly yeah. a badge of honor.
3: That's a word that came from Florida, I bet. But.
1: Uh... <laughs> But, but just for some people,
3: right, there's medically assisted uh, treatment and there's medically assisted recovery. Some people need SSRIs. Some people don't get from the fellowship what the rest of us get because of their introversion. And, you know, they need, you know, you know, some sort of chemical help to, to get what we call normal and yep. that can be pharmaceutical and, and other people are pursuing other things, right?
1: Well, right. So, and and, and I, I feel 19. I feel like the company I'm in presently, it's uh I think we I, I get the sense we all agree it's yes and not no but, yes, right? You take, what, not, works, take yes what works, take what works, leave that. the rest, and that's what yeah, this is all yeah. about.
3: Yeah, we're we're gonna yeah. have a meeting that everybody's gonna be in total disagreement with. It, yeah, or we haven't mm-hmm. done it right right but that's right that's, but it's always yeah. two meetings going on at the same time so mm-hmm. you know if you don't right. want to just try well
2: that. i tell you what it's like six years into my sobriety i i bottomed out with, mm-hmm. uh, uh, about, uh, strangely the last, the, the last holdout was my control addiction. I came home and mm-hmm. found a book on the coffee table. My wife was reading was how to live with a control freak, which, uh, it's pissed me off, no doubt. Cause I was a control freak, but it's, um, let uh, in therapy, let, let that go and bottomed out and, and, uh, uh, intervention from friends and was uh, went to see a, a psychiatrist uh, and just was, was put on medication and, and and i'm I'm still on medication today and, and and what I tell people all the time is is that changed my life every bit as much as getting sober did it's like it's it's like they they're both of those things are you know I can I can i can you know I can stay sober if medication is not working but it's it's like it's like my the quality of life is is is, is impaired. And it's right. like, so, so it's, it, um this really helps and it's absolutely necessary. And, it, and again, it's just about to have it be able to have those conversations to convey with each other and to go, not to assume that not to use yourself as the standard of measure when you're talking to other people, mm-hmm. yeah,
3: absolutely but, true. but so when, when
2: are we, so we get to do, you're going to, are you going to, you're going to be with us when we do our thing on, of, at your conference, right?
3: I'll be in the room.
2: Uh, okay. I've got to be sort of a... Uh... Oh, you got you, know, you have responsibilities.
3: Yes, exactly. There's always someone with their hair on fire. So I got I, I, When I he, used to
2: do Alan's Alan's uh, evolution thing, yeah, you know, you know he never had. He was always around, but I didn't have ac- nearly as much access to him as I wanted because he was he was so fucking busy all the yeah. time. So yeah. I, and, so I.
3: We're, we're delighted. We're having two live podcasts that day. There's another fellow, mm-hmm. uh, John and Mary, who do this. Um, podcast called Beyond Belief Sobriety and it's Mm -hmm. it's sort of a live to YouTube podcast they do so they're going to do that at the conference we're having emotional sobriety which as you know you know the uh, Verde Valley um, varieties of secular experience really enjoyed doing a workshop on it And a lot of this has been motivated by you know in the trend setting that Alan did with Mm -hmm putting out a book because it, mm-hmm. it just it really is an inclusive book right mm-hmm. no matter what you believe no matter what yep. you do not believe uh yep. be hard to be offended by the ideas as they're presented
2: right absolutely well we're excited to be a part of this joe for sure thank you so much for for inviting us
3: yeah so uh, if you're listening uh come and join us uh saturday the program you'll find it secularaa.org eventually or aasecular.org eventually uh you know the grand plan was it to be out a month ahead of time but uh, i mean we, we've actually had to uh shuffle we were going to um do this live in washington uh but uh we decided to go virtual just because of mm-hmm you know the flu pandemic and you mm-hmm. know everything like covid isn't over and so mm-hmm. better safe than sorry and uh, mm-hmm. other people that had bad experiences with it so we're going virtual at least one more time and um yeah so if if you're a listener to this show come and see it being recorded you can join our zoom meeting Mm -hmm. there's no cost to join the conference even if you just comment for this one thing
1: i really appreciate that compassionate uh approach to uh the ongoing pandemic and uh Mm -hmm. you know you'll be for for those that are trepidatious about uh the virtual setup you'll be amazed at how not weird and actually very fun uh the logging in can be thanks guys and uh we'll see you next week
2: change your life change your myth
1: Cultivate
2: your narrative with whomever you're with Then with glass and hand and children on one knee Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Entertain me like nobody else. So here's to us, my old friends, until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again. With glass in hand and children on
3: one knee, bring some stories, bring your stories back to me.